So it's just you and me, Joe. All right, here we are. Joe Emmersberger um, and me. And it's like, what? I mean, what is this? Like a therapy session or something, man. It's just commiserating about. um, I mean, there's a theme. We're talking about the law. We're talking about the instrumentality of the law, right? Because in a way, I I was waiting for this article of yours uh, for fairness and accuracy in reporting, manufacturing disgrace. Reuters distorts Chevron versus Don Ziger. It's Don Ziger, right? Don Ziger, yeah. Don Ziger. Don Ziger? Soft Ziger. Don Ziger, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so Don Ziger is. I mean, it's it's. You've been following the case for a long time. Why don't you right. just take us through? Let's like start start at the beginning. Start with the with the pollution. And okay, go from there. Sure, it's a, it's a long case. Don Ziger has spent twenty seven years fighting it. Um, he was a recent Harvard Law School graduate in nineteen ninety three when he first brought a case in New York against Texaco for what they had done in Ecuador. Um, you know, and it's, I say that, you know, Harvard Law School, I'm dropping the name of the school. Yeah. I'm dropping, I'm dropping the name of uh, another name. I'll drop is Barack Obama because he played basketball <laughs> with them. He, was basketball. A he played basketball with, because that's what these, these big school elite schools are. They're finishing schools for the elite. Like I think Michael Albert called them once. Um, yeah. And you, this mean, is, this you, where you the this point where you is think, the networking yeah. as much as anything yes. else, right? Like and so when, elites. Sure. And so when you go, when you make it into these schools like Don Ziger did, uh, the path you're expected to take is the path that Obama took, that so many other people take, that uh, the people who are you know, destroying Don Ziger take, and that's to serve corporate power. And he took the other path, and, you know. And, and also, in- but, but I mean, look, Obama, there's also like an element of, um, you know, do something that, that looks nice and feels good for a little while, right? Like Obama was a community organizer, I'm sure. Don Ziger would have been allowed to, you know, do some pro bono, some nice pro bono work, you know, mm-hmm. sue a polluter here and there, right? Sure, yeah, uh, but he and then, he, but he's being he's being he punished it, for he took it took, he it, took it a little, it, he, a little too far. <laughs> well, from their point of view, too far. But what he did was he stuck with it. He made this his battle. He was not going to bow. And so let let me so get into did, this. So what did, yeah, what did Texaco do in Ecuador? Okay, what did they do? Okay, Te- well, Texaco is an oil company. Yeah. Yes, Texaco, they started working one in Ecuador. Yeah, in the world, one of the big oil majors. Um, they that started working, yeah. They started making uh they started working in Ecuador in the mid 60s, and their first uh contract uh to work in Ecuador was under the military dictatorship that was brought in the, in large part by the CIA. I mean, uh if you read uh uh Philip Agee's uh CIA diaries, um, it talks uh, a huge part of the book. It's it's, ma- it's a bit about Uruguay, but it's mainly about Ecuador and all the tactics they use to um, uh, destroy democracy in Ecuador and bring in this military dictatorship. And you know, he um, he talks about the fact that you know, with like a budget back then of fifty thousand, he pretty much said, you know, we can't say we can't say we're running the country, you know, because he was he was an analytical guy and you know, he was trying to, but he said we well, we are pretty much shaping events the way we want. <laughs> And uh, so this is the military dictatorship that first gave them the contract to start drilling for oil in the Amazon. Um, and so they were there from 19... 19- the Amazon being uh, the lungs of the planet, uh, yeah. <laughs> the a climax ecosystem mm-hmm. that is irreplaceable and uh, has been taken mm-hmm. care of by the indigenous people of that region for thousands of years and is now... Uh, burning <laughs> right. in right. most many parts. Uh, right. Okay. Cool. So okay. from 
1964 to like 1992, Texaco was the exclusive owner operator. I mean, they were contracted to drill for oil there by the uh, Ecuadorian government, but they were the they were the ones running the show. So that, that's an important point because when Donzinger brings this case in '93, that's only a year after uh, Texaco had turned over it basically its operation there to uh, the state oil company uh, Petro Ecuador. Because that's important because years later, one of the lines at Chevron, which bought out Texaco uh, down the road, but one of the lines they'll throw out there is that, well, you know, it, it's really the pollution there is really Petro Ecuador's fault. Well, j just, it's very important. Just right off the bat, 1993, they've only been, they've, they've just turned over the area. Okay. So if this, if this goes to trial as it should have in 93 in, in New York, then really that excuse goes away and they're forced to defend their environmental record in U.S. courts. But, of course, it didn't go that way because what Texaco did, uh, and, and when they were bought out by Chevron in, in 2001, um, it was technically a merger, but it's really they bought them out. Um, what happened was that um, they battled for nine years to say, no, this case belongs in Ecuador. Ecuador has a fine judiciary, blah, blah, blah. You know, so... It, it, it's pretty amazing because, like I said in the article, Chevron gets its way constantly in this case. It's basically a story of Chevron winning most of the time throughout these twenty. Including like, including like um, things that they like they wanted it out of the U.S. and then they and they got that, and then they wanted yeah. it in the U.S. and then they got that. Yeah, it when so. when they want it, they get it. <laughs> it basically, they whatever they wanted from the I U.S. Guess. judiciary, with rare with few exceptions, uh, it's it's they've gotten. So, and so you can imagine having a two hundred billion uh, revenue annual revenue will will get you yeah. some. Yeah, their revenues have yeah. oh, since two thousand six. I looked it up; they've averaged from one hundred to two hundred. It depends on oil prices. From one hundred to two hundred billion dollars a year. So, actually, most of the time, much larger than Ecuador's entire GDP. Never mind what the resources uh, you know <laughs> anyone in the in the country has. So it's a it's so you can see that alone would be why they want to go to Ecuador. They've it's a country where they've for decades been getting its way even more than they would in the U.S. and they and they get their way a lot in the U.S. Like like I just said, they get as their we, way as we will yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they, so they dumped a uh, they dumped a 16 few billion gallons. Yeah, sixteen billion 16. gallons is the estimated of uh, toxic or toxic toxic waste uh, in the in the region uh, in this area. Um, I and so even, there, there, I can't even imagine what that looks like. You know, I don't even know what. Yeah, that well, there are, there are document empire files. Other people, various people, have done uh, documentaries showing it, uh, showing the damage. In fact, there was a documentary crude that came out in two thousand. That became part of the story because one of the things Chevron did was demanded the outtakes from crude because they wanted to get footage that was look made. Now, they, it was all about making Donziger look as sleazy as, sleazy as possible, as crooked as possible, and, and to, to to launch this huge counterattack. Because, like, um, you know, from ninety, from you know, because things change in Ecuador. I mean, they fought to get the case moved to Ecuador, and then the political climate just totally changed in Ecuador. And by by the time this went to trial in two thousand eleven, now now you had this major uh, renewal of the country's constitution and its institutions under Correa that began in when he took office in 2007 so there was a whole different political climate and it wasn't subservient to the big multinationals anymore like it had been in the past not i mean not not that chevron was exactly uh, 
helpless in Ecuador either. I mean, they, they were able to file motions and, and delay and, uh, and, and do all sorts of things in Ecuador if you, if you look into it. But, but they still, they ultimately they lost and they got hit with a, um, by the Supreme Court ruled in, in 2013, they actually brought the damages down to about $9 billion. So they got hit with a $9 billion uh, uh, bill for the uh, for the damage that they did over decades because less you know than a, uh, less than a dollar less than a buck a gallon <laughs> yeah. yeah so they got they got hit with tremendous damages so what they did was around 2010 they came running back to u.s courts now, now they're now they want the opposite of what they wanted before now they're saying no no now that now we now we do want the u.s judiciary <laughs> to get involved right <laughs> and it, it's funny if, if you follow the u.s the way it works in the world right they will look for any grounds to claim jurisdiction over something when it suits them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I've covered this, that. Uh, yeah, the Mike yeah. Joe case or yeah. Robert yeah. TikTok. A- any any strand, any dollar that gets deposited in the U.S. Yeah. bank, uh, like you, I think you wrote even an yeah, email that goes through U.S. Yeah, yeah it, they'll find an excuse to get jurisdiction. But we see with Chevron here, what they did the opposite. When it, when it didn't suit Chevron, nah, you know this belongs in Ecuador. But when Chevron lost and was facing some problem, well, okay, you know what? Yeah, this belongs here. <laughs> so. Yeah. In 2010, what they did was they came, originally their excuse was, okay, they came to 2010, they got this guy, uh, Lewis Kaplan, super pro-business fanatic, basically, and a Bill Clinton appointee. So I, you know, uh, he's obviously very extreme in his uh, pro-business uh, <laughs> mentality. I mean, there's a quote I put in the uh, article where he says, you know, um, you know, Chevron's very, I'm just paraphrasing, Chevron is very important to our economy. That it provides the products we, we rely on every day. And I don't think any of us want to go to the gas station and find we can't even fill up our car because these people in Ecuador have, uh, you know, have, have seized their assets. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, yeah. this guy's openly saying, yeah. yeah, this guy's openly saying that I, I think I'm basically, I'm keeping U.S. gas stations open by, by yeah. helping Chevron attack Donzinger. Yeah. So that's the kind of pro-business fanatic that was overseeing this case. And so what they came to, to U.S. originally, what they wanted was, they said, okay, there's this, there's this uh, technicality in U.S. law says that if they're engaged in foreign lawsuits, they can ask for discovery in U.S. courts. I mean, it, it's, uh, so basically I'm involved in a lawsuit somewhere else, but I can come to U.S. judge and demand discovery against my, uh, you know, discovery is a process where you're forced to reveal, if you've ever been in a lawsuit, you know, you're forced to reveal uh, provide documents and go to depositions yeah. and give, you know, and it works it. and it, it wor- really works in one direction because yeah. it's basically like if a giant corporation or the U.S. state is suing mm-hmm. you and demands discovery, yeah. you have to give them everything in your house. And when you do it to them, they right. send a Mack truck full of <laughs> 3000 tons of documents to you. And right. then your lawyers can't do anything with it because it's trying right. to search for the proverbial needle in a haystack, right? Right. Sure. It, it's about burying you with paperwork uh, or burying you with resources, with their resources, right? Um, so, yeah. So, what, you know, Donziger was, was given basically a ridiculously short period of time uh, to turn over his entire uh, computer, his notebook, his, his basically his diary. Uh, all his correspondence, the outtake, they went after the outtakes for the documentary, that yeah. crude documentary was made. So they, they went after all this stuff to just basically scour and look and, fi- and look dig for stuff that, uh, anything that would make him look shady. Um, and Kaplan in his ruling, uh, he quotes like something like 68 different times by my count from, from Donzinger's personal notebook. I mean, this is stuff where he, where he was 
putting correspondence like you know everyone you know today in, in our computers how much personal stuff do we have you know uh, letters yeah, yeah. to our wives to our relatives to our <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean so they, yeah. they really rummaged through his whole personal life and um, um, you know and what's striking about uh, Kaplan's ruling because I, I read through it uh, five years ago when I, uh, I was contacted to work on this case uh, to ask to write about it I mean I read I actually read through it I tried to keep an open mind and read through it it's 500 pages long I mean you and I just uh, finished a yeah. book. It's not that long. <laughs> no. So it's 500 pages and I read through it. And it's just, it's just, it's just hilarious. I mean, it's just such a stitch up. Um, but the, what's really striking is how often he quotes from Donzinger's personal diary. And, mm -hmm. and of course there's nothing like that ever. You know, he's not rummaging through the diaries of the Chevron executives or, or, or the old Texaco executives. Yeah. You know I mean? it's, just, it's just one way. It's yeah. a one way street. It's a one way. Yeah. It's a one way. Thing. And um, so anyway, he, so they he overturn. Yeah. So they what? Overturn. What, Kaplan overturns it. Well, he doesn't. He can't overturn it because he he's not the Ecuadorian Supreme Court. But what he did, what he first tried to do was say that he tried to issue this thing called a worldwide worldwide injunction, <laughs> which uh, prevents anybody in the world from from being able to collect uh, on the judgment, right? Uh, but that was that was actually shut down. That was one of the few defeats for Kaplan. He tried that early on and the appeals court shut that down because what, what they were worried about obviously was they didn't want uh, let's say people losing a case against Chevron anywhere in the world or a company like Chevron and then running back to the US and say well the judiciary is no good there we want to do this in the US. So that's the, that's the kind of precedent they were worried about. You know what I mean? They, ha they wanted to find a way to finesse this um, so that they they would at least claim that. Well, no, no, we're not. We're not saying the judiciary is no good. We're just saying something else. We're just saying it was won by corrupt means. So, so they tried to to finesse it in a more uh, in a more subtle way. Kaplan wanted to go, you know, <laughs> full, uh, you know, uh, imperialist with it. You know, just really blunt yeah. and just like, nobody can collect. And and that was too blunt. It, it would backfire in some ways on on the U in in U.S. courts in some ways. So they shot it down. That's one of the few defeats he ever had. So he writes his ruling. He basically trashes the entire Ecuadorian judiciary anyway, because he has to give give Chevron, when Chevron its first major victory to go back to um, Ecuador. It also had a promise the appeals court when it went back to Ecuador uh, in 2002. It had to promise them that it would abide by any ruling there. So uh, when they came running back to the U.S. courts, they had to look for an excuse to get them out of that promise, right? Which which Kaplan did, right? right. So. Um, and so he, he trashed the Ecuadorian judiciary extensively in, in his ruling, but then at the end of the ruling, he kind of contradicts himself and says, okay, but, but in, in, in forming this judgment, I'm not actually disrespecting <laughs> the Ecuadorian judiciary. Because like I said, there's, there's this concern that, you know, okay, they don't want to add, they don't just, they, they don't care if Chevron runs back to U.S. courts, but they don't want Chevron's victims or, or you know, or, or uh, any other corporation's victims to be running back to U.S. courts when a judgment goes against. They just, again, it just has to be one way, you know, just like the discovery we, yeah. we, we talked about. Yeah. So, um, so he, he ruled, he ruled that the trial was one of the correct means. And it, it's really hilarious because it, he relied so heavily, despite all this rummaging, this is the other striking thing about the ruling, despite all the, the deep dive that he did into Donzinger's personal life, he relied so heavily on this corrupt judge. Uh, his name is Alberto Guerra, an Ecuadorian judge. What he and if you read Kaplan's ruling, it's quite hilarious. He he acknowledges all these things about about Guerra. So Kaplan basically writes, um, 
Yeah, you know, uh, Kaplan, uh, Aguera was trying to get bribes from both sides. So Kaplan acknowledged that, yes, he was trying to get bribes from both sides. Uh, yes, he lied about being offered a bribe by Donzinger. Yes, he lied about this and a few bunch of other stuff. Um, and then he says, yes, he was paid by Chevron. Yes, they, they moved him to the U.S. Yes, they gave him all this money. Yes, they paid his health care. Yeah, he goes, he goes to the list of three. And, Two and he million says, dollars. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah one it, million, it, one million, one million. No, well, it was close. It was, it was well over one million. It, it's, you, you could round it up to two million, but it was well over a, a you know, it was, it was well over a million. It was probably one point eight or something. It was, it was, it was high, and it, it was worth of benefits, you know, healthcare and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and he, they they gave him all this for his testimony, and they rehearsed him extensively, something like fifty three. They rehearsed his testimony because they had all this resources, these lawyers, to rehearse his testimony, right? And so, Captain acknowledges all of this. So he basically he gives all the reasons why anybody with with a shred of decency would say this witness is no damn good. I mean, I can't, I can't. Right. <laughs> right. And but then he basically credits on basically on on, on everything. He basically says, but I, but I find him credible anyway. So what he's doing is kind of yeah. covering his ass. So he was kind of saying, look, he was acknowledging yeah. all the reasons he shouldn't have credited his, t and and then just saying, but I find him credible. So he can't get accused yeah. of saying, "Oh, I didn't well, take yeah, you." Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. this kind of reminds me of the Meng Wanzhou case because the BC judge that upheld uh, the, um, you know, they didn't throw out the extradition order, and she basically did something very similar. She said, "You know, it's true that we don't have sanctions against Iran here, and it's true that you know she's committed no crime here, uh, but um, you know, I'm still gonna." <laughs> I'm yeah, still gonna. Yeah, I'm still yeah, gonna do it. I'm still yeah. gonna do what the U.S. wants. It, it's a bit of butt covering. It's you know the lawyers can't say afterward they didn't consider this. They didn't consider it. no. Yeah. We considered it. We just dismissed it after. Yeah, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't consider it. Like we didn't use it. So yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah. modify what we yeah. were gonna do anyway. Yeah, but sure. we certainly we acknowledged it. <laughs> we acknowledged it to show that we're being uh, yeah. So that's basically the trick, you know. And um and then and then what came out later. Was that in, all this dishonesty was acknowledged by uh, by Kaplan about Garrett lies that he had told, lies that it came out, the the uh, the fact that he was compromised by Chevron's money, the fact that his testimony was inconsistent. I mean, he even said that too. He said yes, his testimony was inconsistent. So he, just all the reasons why, giving all the reasons why nobody with a shred of decency would would, would credit his testimony, but then credited it anyway. And then later it came out in another tribunal because you know Chevron not only did they come back to the US, but of course they love these bilateral investment tribunals. They're even worse than the standard judiciaries, right? Even more cooked yeah. up for, <laughs> for pro-business uh, rulings, right? <laughs> so they went there and sued Ecuador there as well. And um and in that in the in the course of that testimony there, uh it came out that 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 Guerra also told lies um during the during the testimony in front of Kaplan. So he there were lies on top of lies, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. lied. He lied about other stuff. You know uh, that that he said during the you know said that he was being uh, you know offered a cut of a bribe from another judge. That you know this was and then it was just, and, he, and then he acknowledged that that was a lie. So he was he was he was lying and, and then lying in front of Kaplan. And then so Kaplan had to come up with this opinion later and saying that well I didn't really I, I my, my my ruling was that uh, Gera in his words the words were far from indispensable is what he said that Gera was far from indispensable to his. Uh, 
really. I mean, you know, in the computer age, we can, we can count the number of times he mentions Gara just in the table of contents alone. It's like 13 times. And in the whole document, <laughs> and in the whole, and in the whole document, it's like an average of once per page. It's like, cause it's a 500 <sighs> page, it's a 500 page document and his name is mentioned like over 500 times, you know? So, uh, it, he was definitely, and of course, yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing is, of course, why did Chevron pay him all this money and rehearse the hell out of him? Obviously, he was he was their key witness. Okay, I mean, this yeah, doesn't right. pass. This doesn't pass the laugh test. This is just outrageous. Yeah. Um, and and but and then there's another other disingenuous things that Kaplan said after too, because he said that in the appeal, uh, Donzinger and um, d- didn't challenge the underlying factual findings of the corrupt ruling. And, and that's kind of, you know, and then the, there's a, uh, he was basically saying that Don, he was basically writing his opinion to say, well, look, Don Zinger's basically conceded that he was you know, correct. And of course that's false. Uh, it's true in yeah. a sense that he didn't, because when you go to appeal, there are very strict things you can appeal. So right. when, you, when you appeal a judge's ruling on the facts, it has to be uh, something you know clearly erroneous. In other words, you have to actually catch him out very clearly on an issue of fact. And so that's where the ass covering of Kaplan comes in, saying, you know, acknowledging all the reasons why <laughs> Carrera was yeah. was shady, right? Was corrupt. Yeah. But but so it's it's to say that uh, so the challenge so they they chose other arguments, you know, based on international comedy. So they they felt were were stronger and and just based on their resources because you know you to challenge a 500 page ruling on the facts it was, so it wasn't it wasn't them conceding and it you know the lawyer and and, and Donzinger's team explained this um, it wasn't them conceding anything it was just a, it had to do with a strategy of how to best use the resources to try to get an appeal you know to win an appeal of course they didn't win because I mean it's not this goes way beyond Kaplan this is a this is a a corporate a very corporatist legal system, you know, it's, it's designed to like to give companies like Chevron what they want when they need it. Right. Um, right. but, but, um, yeah, but that was also very disingenuous. And, and the, and again, this also came out this, 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 this disingenuous thing I mentioned just now, this also came out in another rare victory for, um, um, for Donzinger, the U S was when a judicial referee, uh, recommended early this year in February of this year that his law license be reinstated. Um, he allowed his testimony over the objections of the of the other lawyers. He allowed him to testify to the fact that no, we don't accept the factual findings. <laughs> I mean, obviously not. <laughs> you know I mean, right. but it, it just had to do with how we decided to structure our appeal, which obviously Kaplan knows. So it's yeah. just like it, another yeah, it, deception exactly. on top of. Yeah, and this guy's a formal. This guy's no dummy. I mean, he's not. He is a former tobacco lawyer. Tobacco uh, used to work for the tobacco industry. Okay, you you can say a lot about. He's not. He's not stupid, but he's just a a pro business fanatic. You know, he's just determined to protect corporate power. And that's and that's when you come out of these schools like Harvard. That's what you're supposed to do. So have we come to the part where they get him get Donziger disbarred and under house arrest? Well, I, I mentioned the judicial referee. He was, they, they did, because once, once Donger has this ruling in his back pocket, once the appeals court backs him up, especially, that was very important. And, and then, but then Donziger didn't back down. He's still, they're still challenging. They're still going after him. They're not backing down. This is, this is, the, this is now he's been locked into fighting for, it became a fight for his clients, but he's continuing to advocate for his clients to go after Chevron's assets in Canada. Um, and yeah. in Canada, the, the the courts used a, basically a corporate veil excuse 
uh, basically saying Chevron Canada is a different entity from Chevron US, which is oh really? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, but there's still okay. some there's still some leeway to challenge that here. But again, Kaplan's ruling without this worldwide injunction, even without the worldwide injunction that he uh, <laughs> tried it's to get de early facto, <laughs> It's a de facto worldwide injunction anyway, just because it's exactly, exactly. Doing it. Yeah, it, it gives all kinds of judiciaries an excuse to cave to Chevron. So, uh, so uh, Donziger, but kept with it, kept struggling, but now with the appeal and with the fact that he's still going after the Rasa, and, and so they, they kept after him, and, and, Chev and Kaplan obviously wanted to go out and get him disbarred, and and then uh, which they succeeded get they succeeded in getting him suspended. Then again, like this referee, uh, a rare victory for Donziger, said no. This he should recommended that he be uh, reinstated. But then an appeals court, uh, short a while ago, you know, not too long ago, maybe a month or so, uh, stepped in and said no. He has to be disbar you know, uh, disbarred. You know. Um, but so uh, that yeah, was so, a Kaplan that did that. No, that was the appeals court. But it, it's all. It, that was the appeals court that disbarred him, but it's based on Kaplan. It all, it all stems from Kaplan basically running amok and never being held accountable by anybody. Really, he's been a rare time yeah, they shot I mean, him that, down. That's, yeah. the, that's the other mistake that we often make, right? Like mm -hmm. thinking that it's a rogue judge. I mean, he is right. a rogue judge, but he's not a rogue judge in the sense that he's part of a system that will oh, absolutely back let him, him run up wild. And, yes. Yeah. yeah. And and it'll only in the only times it shot him down. Uh, is 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 when he tried to go in in a way that was so wacko that it was actually maybe a little bit unnerving to corporate interests, right? Uh, what he wanted to do was so extreme that actually, well, wait a second, we, we don't want everybody running back to to US yeah. and saying the judiciary here no good because we lost to Chevron, right? So yeah. So I'm glad. So Donzich is actually literally under house arrest right now. He's been under house arrest for over a year because what Kaplan ended up ordering. Now this so this keeps getting more this more and more ridiculous. Again, with the repeal rule, Kafka, with the, yeah, it's yeah, total Kafka. exactly. Now it's now. Uh, Kaplan then issues an order to Donzinger. It says, hey, you have to turn over your computer and cell phone and all this stuff. Basically, it's turned it over to Chevron. Okay. <laughs> right. right. And, it's and, just, yeah. He's just acting as Chevron's judge yeah. at this point. Yeah, yes, exactly. And and Donzinger said, no, I'm appealing that. Obviously, I'm appealing that on constitutional grounds. Okay. Um, and said, um, so I refuse to do that while this is still being appealed. And, mm -hmm. and then, and then, and then Kaplan just decided, well, okay, I'm going to get you, I'm going to prosecute then for criminal contempt. So he goes to the public prosecutor. This is amazing. In my opinion, he goes to the public mm -hmm. prosecutors and they turn him down. They say, no, we don't want to yeah. take this on. <laughs> now, why? I maybe mean, doesn't think it was worth their time. Thought it looked stupid. Now, who knows exactly what the reason, right. but, but it was pretty striking that even in this era, the prosecutor said no. And so Kaplan then decides to appoint because there's a loophole that allows him to appoint private lawyers, a private firm. Yeah, I didn't even know you could do that. I, I mean, I think a lot of people <laughs> know you could do that. And so he yeah, probably, they're, they're just yeah, they're just making it up as they go it, along. Almost. It sounds yeah, it sounds yeah, it's just total corporate rule. And so uh, uh, he appoints a private firm to go after uh, to act as prosecutors. And they order his. Uh, they go out. They want. They 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 go after saying no. We want uh, and these guys who who had Chevron as clients. So they, I mean, there's conflicts all over the place, right? They had Chevron as a client themselves. I mean, it's it just ridiculous that a private firm uh, with, with client with corporate clients and at all, but especially with Chevron as a client, acts as prosecutors. I mean, they bypass the public prosecutors and go to the private company, and and they of course they they pursue they order the. 
you know, they go to the judge asking for the, you know, for that he, you know, he, he's got to be, he's a flight risk. We got to give him a, a, a home detention. So he's wearing an ankle bracelet. He's been under house arrest for over a year now. And does he have to pay for his own ankle bracelet? That was one of the weird things. I followed this case, really? Hassan Diab. I don't know. Yeah, Hassan, Hassan Diab was basically like the French government uh, decided this is another total bizarro case. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I think he's in the clear now, pretty much. But mm-hmm. the French government basically nabbed him and um, put him in jail. He was in jail. No, and but before he was in jail in France, he was in house arrest here. And it was like they said they they're in they had intelligence okay mm-hmm. that said that he uh, based on like a they were like real uh, inspector gadget you know Keystone cops kind of stuff right. they had like a a card that they said matched his signature except every handwriting expert didn't agree <laughs> right. and uh, they were like he's the he's the bomber so he they said he did a bomb at a synagogue in the eighties and then they decided right. that it was him. Uh, in like 2000, I don't know, six or something. And he was, he went to jail and they, um, before that there were like fundraisers here because he had to pay like $1,500 a month for his own ankle bracelet. Wow. That's, that's in Canada, but I'm sure like Mm. probably works the same way. And it's like, you feel so like, it's just like, really, I'm going to, I have, I, I, we have to like do a, we have to do a crowdfunder to like pay the state. Mm-hmm. for an ankle bracelet to keep this guy unjustly in under house anyway it was wow that's that's bizarre just just, just extra humiliations right like well, every it, little every little piece of the process is designed to humiliate you and break your spirit the break your spirit and also to um isolate you from isolate, other support isolate, and solidarity yeah isolate you from solidarity but also just financially just to make you yeah. how, how, okay you take a you know because he's been disbarred that just doesn't mean he can't uh, advocate officially yeah. for his clients that means that he uh you know he's a yeah. there in a living everything right you're going after everything right and it's yeah. uh, now and that's that brings me to another point i wanted to make you know because sometimes you see people uh sometimes even people are a bit supportive they'll try to like as with assange you know or with anybody who yeah we're gonna get to power, assange later right as with anybody who you know if if you have the inner strength the mentality the whatever it takes uh, they'll always spin it as some kind of character flaws, arrogance, uh, narcissism. Yeah, yeah, um, but meanwhile, you think about what you have to go through, what you have to confront for Zendanziger, especially you know last few years. But you you take on a twenty seven year battle against uh, big oil like this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you better have some confidence. You better have some inner strength. Some, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, and people will say, well, you know, it's that's they'll put a negative spin on it. But same with. You know, you think of of people like, you know, Correa gets called a hothead, uh, Sanj gets called a narcissist, uh, Chavez, you know, a, a buffoon. Uh, you know, anybody who has the, 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 has it in them to, to resist, right? They always get, they always, they, they always, it always gets spun into a flaw. And, and, and maybe to some extent, maybe to, maybe to, to resist on that level, maybe you do have to have. Uh, you know, a, a little bit extra. <laughs> okay, and maybe it can come yeah, off yeah. to some people as arrogance or whatever. But you know what? And, if, and like a lack of sensitivity to criticism. Like yeah, I actually right? feel that sometimes. Like I'll write an article and then I'll get the reply guys in Twitter, mm-hmm. and then I'll be like, "Oh no, people are saying mean things about me on the internet, and it hurts <laughs> my feelings." And then I'm just like, "Why? You know, yeah, I'm yeah. not a. I can't be a serious person, and also, you know, like give right. give free rein to those feelings. You know? Yeah. It, it so takes- if I, you know, 
if mm-hmm. I go too far down that path, of course, they'll call me a, like a narcissist and whatever else. Right. Yeah. If, if, if you, if you don't, if you don't play ball, there's always a way to spin whatever, um, whatever character traits that allow you to stand up to, to power, they'll, they'll spin them yeah. as negative. But if you think about it, it's actually, po- it's more likely that you should see it as positive. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the same so, thing with Assange, in my opinion. Is there a path to, um, is there a path to out of house arrest, out of um, disbarment and into, you know, normalcy for Donziger? Like what, what has to happen legally for that to happen? Like what, what can people do to support this? Well, I just think they have to spread the word about it. I guess he's getting some support. I mean, he's, I'm glad. Finally. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause this was being ignored. It's uh, not. It's not left to Joe Amersberger. No, no. Finally, you're seeing. <laughs> finally, when they, when they started going after him, criminal, finally, criminally, finally, you're starting to see, uh, like, in the nation, you're starting to see Chris Hedges. I mean, not, not like CNN, you know, or anything like that. But you know, what I'm saying it's suddenly it's bigger progressive media who's starting to take on the case and, and speak up, and uh, you know, Lasher Lawyers Guild put out a nice letter. There's another. Uh, group of of uh rather elite lawyers that are uh, are formally convened a com- some kind of committee i forget what it's called to monitor the the, the case if you follow best place to go is steve donzinger's uh, twitter if, if you follow him on twitter s donzinger um yeah it's 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 a great resource so it's a good place to go for all the for all the details but there's he's starting to get some uh some high higher profile support finally because uh, just it's gotten so crazy, right? I mean, this it's, this whole criminal case cooked up with the private prosecutors and stuff is just, and him being under house arrest is just is just so wacko that's finally raised some eyebrows and and hopefully that at least uh, I'm hoping at least it'll it'll uh, get the criminal charges uh, dismissed. Uh, you know, getting out of disbarment, you would hope. So. I don't know. I don't I don't know how how likely that is. I, I think it just it, it depends on people. How much uh, people can yeah focus has to their become a bigger deal yeah, yeah. yeah. a bigger yeah. deal than it is right all right let's let's move on to um let's move on to Julian Assange then mm-hmm. so um let's let's just list some some sources for people so I'd say if you want to follow the Assange case I'm following it on Kevin Gostola's Twitter yep he does a Twitter mm-hmm. thread every day of the trial. Um, and Caitlin Johnstone, who's a right. fellow Australian to Julian Assange, who writes right. about like more big picture stuff. Those are the two things that I follow. Right. How about you? What are you? What do you do? I like I like those two. I like Craig Murray as well. Okay. I like uh, Craig Murray's a a close friend of Assange's and uh, been doing tr- you know great work around this case for a lot for years. Um, all right, so Caitlin Johnstone says that you tweeted this <laughs> yesterday, and I think uh-huh. it's pretty good. Right. She says, look, you might not necessarily like Assange, and you might not necessarily agree with the things he's done. But the important thing to remember is that the things Assange has done are heroic, and if you don't like him, you're a loser. <laughs> so the, what's yeah. clever about that is she starts off with the usual yeah. liberal thing of like, everybody seems to yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah, has to say, I hate Assange first, yeah, right? Yeah, Everybody yeah. has to say, 
I hate Assange. Everybody has to say, you know, he's a narcissist. Everybody has to say, like, look, whatever you think about Assange, the right. same way. And it's a, it's like a verbal pattern, right? It has you have to do that over about Iran. You have to do that about China. You have to do that about mm-hmm. Saddam Hussein. You have to do that about mm-hmm. Assad. You have to do that about Gaddafi, yeah. uh, Aristide, Maduro, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, and like, yeah. I just made this list off the top of my head, and people will say, oh, but one of those is not like the others, you know? And they'll <laughs> jump in and they'll say, you know, you're being totally unfair to person X here right. in this list, right. but like. Right, right. Uh, I, I didn't even get through a tenth of what, no. you know, the times mm-hmm. this phrase has been uttered. But um, oh, yeah. let me, uh, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, I think the the main thing that we, you know, that I like, you know, the main thing that comes up that's like the nastiest thing mm-hmm. about about Assange that they'll say is the sex, like he's a kind of a sex deviant or like a sex crime or a rapist, right? Right, right. So I, I, I always go, my go-to for that is mm-hmm. um, debunking all the Assange smears by Caitlin Johnstone. Oh, it's superb. Superb piece. Yeah. And it's like 31 Assange smears. Right. And, you know, the, the rapist is, the rapist um, mm-hmm. smear mm-hmm. is based on um, this, you know, this thing that happened where he had, you know sex with two partners in one night and then the night after or the day after they went to the police to try to get him to do an std test and well, the police and the prosecutor go ahead it, was, it wasn't two in one night it was it was very close together it was within the yeah week. yeah so like was, he went from he went from yeah. one of their house to the other or whatever right yeah but the point is consensual sex in both mm-hmm. cases and then mm-hmm. they were upset because they you know, he condom use and they went and went to the police and said, can we compel somebody under the law to take an STD test? Mm-hmm. And the prosecutor, I think, said there's nothing here. There's no rape charge mm-hmm. here. It was originally, originally dropped. It was originally, it was the re- allegation, a whole, so it was so-called preliminary investigation. It was in preliminary investigation for about a decade. Yeah. That was the official status of the, uh, there was never charges. Um, there was, there was this, there was excuse that people were, 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 were throwing out there for a long time saying, oh, the, the only reason there was no charges was because Sweden can't charge people until they're in Sweden, which is bull, bullshit. I mean, uh, Caitlin Johnson's piece does a nice job of, of explaining that no, they can charge people in absentia. They've done it before and gave examples. So yeah. uh, they kept it deliberately in a preliminary investigation status so that they could, um, um, basically not share all the information that they had with, with, uh, Assange's, um, uh, legal team. And also that's the excuse for bringing him to Sweden. Right. And rather than going, going to, to London, uh, and, and getting on with it there and say, okay, what is, yeah, you know, they could have questioned yeah, him in right. London. Yeah, exactly. He was under house arrest in London right. for a long time. Right. And it was also the excuse, and the, other, the other, the other indication of that very early on, See if 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 people had any into anybody with integrity, they should have been piling on the pressure to Sweden to first of all get the case moving because they kept it they kept it in limbo deliberately as as just because it was convenient to do that to to screw with Assange. But also they refused to guarantee that they would not do what exactly what's happening now that they would not uh, put him in a situation where he's going to be extradited to the United States for his work as a publisher. 
They refuse to make that guarantee. And again, all sorts of, and Caitlin Johnson in that piece addresses this. Uh, uh, there's no reason why they couldn't have done that. All the judiciary in Sweden does is says whether an extradition can proceed or not. It's up to the executive branch to make the decision that, yeah, we're extraditing. So the, the, um, the executive branch in Sweden could have said, no, uh, we, or, or we guarantee that we will not extradite you um, uh, for your work as a publisher. And they refused to make that guarantee. And that's, why, that's one of the key reason why he was given asylum by Ecuador. So yeah. uh, by Korea's government. So again, the, the bad faith, the, 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 the really cynical behavior by Sweden that was obvious from the get-go and, and so many people just looked the other way. They made it all about us. They made it, they treated Sweden as an innocent bystander and, oh, Assange should just go to Sweden. What's the big deal? You know, and, yeah. Yeah. and, and totally, totally disregarded that Sweden was obviously not, not acting in, in, uh, in a manner that in a normal way the way yeah. they act with every other case sure. right and in fact and it was a p- kind of a politically connected prosecutor mm-hmm. that yeah. reopened it and tried right. to mm-hmm. like after a process anyway so the um okay cool i just wanted to put that at least that piece out there well, and for reference, some people yeah uh, for some people yeah, that's for, but there's all sorts of excuses people have to hit because that you know that was an early one because that's been around for so long right uh, yeah. but, and there was also the, no, that he's putting lives at risk. It depends on the political. It seems like there's something sure. for anybody, anyone, any political persuasion is being handed a rationalization for basically throwing him under the bus. Right. Uh, one is that yes. he, he helped, he would work with the Russians, uh, that he's a Russian stooge, helped Trump get a, he's a Trump stooge. Now he's being, he's being persecuted by Trump, but they'll still say, oh, he's a Trump. So he yeah. deserves it because he's a Trump stooge. I mean, I just, I'm horrific. Yeah. I mean, comments. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean that. Yeah, that's yeah. just. Yeah. I don't know what. What did you say about like Trump has made Democrat like <laughs> Democrats have all. I mean they they just. There's no. There's no. There's nothing. They have nothing except screaming Russia. They have no politics at all. There's no way to differentiate them from Trump. Yeah, it's but, like now the the W Bush Republicans versus the. Uh, yeah. The, I don't know what Trump, you call it, the David Trumpers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two factions then, of the yeah. Republican. So they're, yeah, they're re- rehabilitating yeah, George W. Bush yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. Yeah. We only had him. <laughs> and like you always say, like in 10 years, they'll be doing that with Trump, like guaranteed. It, it, yeah, it seems like I, 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 I wouldn't put it past them at all. I would not be, you know, no. yeah, I mean, if they can support Al Qaeda in Syria, I mean, Christ, well, you know, yeah. it really isn't, you know. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, Trump was, Trump was, he might never have been totally one of the club, but he was, he was right in there with all these guys. You know, there's all these pictures of him hobnobbing with the yeah. Clintons and, uh, you know, yeah. all these people. Sure. Yeah. Because it's a class, it's an elite mm-hmm. and th- they look after themselves before any, totally. yeah. any political or pol- policy kind of issue. Right. And, sure. uh, and journalists, the journalistic class is the same right like the guardian being the Mm -hmm. worst example is like you know Mm -hmm. you you i think you were the one who tweeted uh that that guardian (laughs) journalist calling uh who was seamus mill the public school stalinist or something like giving away a lot about her her oxbridge kind of background and then you know she got really upset because you had you know publicized something that she wrote only to her 30,000 followers on Facebook or whatever it was. Yeah. And then, and then one of her defenders, this other idiot 
this, this guy who used to write for the Guardian too. He actually said she was half drunk at the time. He actually, he actually, oh, okay. he actually threw that out there as a, as yeah. like an yeah. excuse, like, oh, give her a break. No, she, that she, makes she, sense. <laughs> give an Oxbridge, give an Oxbridge uh, grad a break. Uh, you know, they were yeah. sure they were having a drink. Uh, you know, enjoying yeah. the imperial good old days. Okay, yeah. so Kevin's Kevin Gostola's um, thread. So I just well, let, let's just say um, about this. So there there have been uh, some really big witnesses because I guess the defense is making its case first somehow. I I don't know, but. All the all the defense witnesses seem to have been up um, mm-hmm. on, in the extradition trial. So there was, you know, um, Ellsberg, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel today. Ellsberg was yeah. today. Uh, there was there were some other really good ones that it's clear that the U.S. prosecutor just stopped asking questions because <laughs> right. he was just like not getting what he wanted. But he said mm-hmm. something like, you know, our position is that Assange isn't a journalist. And then one of the right. one of the witnesses said, it doesn't really matter what you think. He's still um, right. protected by, right. uh, you know, freedom of speech laws. But, the, or, but then yeah. Craig Murray noted that, you know, when they're starting to get actually, they actually got, they stepped it up. The, the prosecution stepped it up. And actually said in court that you know what, yeah, the New York Times should have been prosecuted uh, and should have gone to jail over the Pentagon Papers. You know, this is the the landmark case that supposedly shows, uh, uh, you know, how uh, you know the commitment of the U.S. to um, to the free press and all that. Uh, but it, it was now now they're actually they're they're going they're going so wacko that they just think yeah yeah you know they, they should have been prosecuted <laughs> you know wow. but that but Kate, uh, that's what Craig Murray uh yeah pointed out in his in his latest update from the other day but uh you know it's a point Caitlin Johnstone I mean made, yeah that's uh, also like they'll say anything right at this yeah, point they'll just right. they'll say anything to get what they want right but but Caitlin it's Johnstone, not like the New York Times is in danger yeah you know they'll just they'll moderate accordingly you know they'll temper yeah. them through you know and they're, they're already so tame they'll just maybe they'll get tamer but you never know i mean that's the thing if you, there is a, in a sense i guess you never know i mean there's always surprises that you're playing with fire i mean allowing this right even for them but i think they're just they're so tame and they're so subservient they just and maybe they're right maybe maybe nothing will happen but if nothing happens it's only because they'll They'll have become even yeah. worse. They'll become. They'll have learned their lesson. Sure. They'll, they'll become even worse. And they did learn their lesson. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just yeah, it's what what breaks my heart, and I did mm-hmm. say this in a tweet. Like, what breaks mm-hmm. my heart about reading Kevin's uh, mm-hmm. Kevin's threads every day is mm-hmm. like, I just think, wow, you know, the 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 defense has made such a great case today. Those witnesses have said such solid things the arguments are so solid mm-hmm. and then this judge who has got like a million conflicts of interest and has been completely <laughs> blase and like right. you know like com- like a complete yeah. like whatever you want right. an eichmann in jerusalem kind of figure right like right. just just totally like mm-hmm. un un like unmoved by any human mm-hmm. normal consideration or whatever right. or principle right. and so she's just like she's just gonna she's gonna do what what uh the judge did in the done like what these judges always do right she's right. gonna write this judgment that says you know yeah all these things good a really good points so mm-hmm. off he goes you know to right. jail forever yeah and the, like the, 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 
Right. Some of the points they were making, I think, are you know come keep coming up. Like one of the one of the witnesses pointed out that you there is no fair trial in the U.S. because they mm-hmm. try to avoid trial uh, mm-hmm. by trying to inflate your sentence and get you to plead guilty to a lesser sentence, right? Yeah, and, and the that's the, even even uh, Aaron Swartz, Aaron Swartz, mm-hmm. who tried to make scientific publications available, he killed himself. They were trying to get, they were trying to put this young man in jail for thirty five years, right, for um, making scientific publications available, which are now available on SciHub, thanks to right. someone else in Kazakhstan. But like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, in the yeah, pretrial, so the pretrial conditions too. In the pretrial conditions too, they don't, you know, they don't even have to stick you in prison. It was the pretrial conditions, uh, well, like what yeah. they did with Chelsea Manning, right? So the yeah. the, the pretrial yeah. conditions will be so extreme that that can break you as well. Uh, you know, yeah. so they all so many different ways to break people, and, and that's on top of the public uh, humiliation that comes with all these journalists. For the most part, they've been quiet. Uh, you yeah. know, now that, now that it's, it's all unraveled, they have, you know, but although there's some, there's this, this, uh, writer for the, for the guardian who just did a piece, she's still trying to smear Assange with the, with the Swedish case, even though it's, it's yeah. all been, she, she, uh, in her, she basically, sh- uh, portrays Assange as having waited out the, <laughs> the allegation wow. you know, as if, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, it just it just it's just monstrously wow. stupid, and, and but but they're still she's still trying to do that. But for the most part, I think they're just hiding under their desks now because they they really there's nothing here. I mean, this is this is a straight up uh, brutal uh, political prosecution of, of a of a journalist and, and the conditions under which yeah. he's being held, the way he's being tried behind a glass as if he were an assassin or something, as if he yeah, were like, what yeah, I, as if he's, he's like a, a like a hyper skilled. He's gonna he's gonna whip a a paper clip out and like yeah, you know unlock gonna, all the shackles yeah. and do ninja moves. Yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. preposterous. I mean, it's just you know they're putting this this frail guy, he's a, a publisher, Christ, like, and they're putting him behind a glass, like like he's. As if he's uh, what the Incredible Hulk or something, you know. It's just, it's just all it's all to humiliate and to and to to show that we you know we do you know this is this is what you this is what you're going to be treated like. Uh, this is what we can do to you if you if you uh, if you step over the line. So and it goes back to my point again. Assange, whatever character traits he has, uh, you know, that rub people. Well, I mean, they I don't even believe people half the time when they say they rub he rubs them the wrong way, but. But whatever confidence he has, whatever I mean, swag, yeah. swagger he has, you know what? <laughs> that's why he's able to do this. So that's if he's not a normal person, maybe that has something to do with the fact that his achievements absolutely uh, dwarf all Put these. All of theirs to shame. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I just yeah. I mean, the whole thing about rubbing you the wrong way. My God, like. Oh, it's like, a, it's. A I work, uh, every you know fifty percent of people rub me the wrong way. <laughs> You know, like yeah, it just yeah. that's just life. And some of them yeah. I some of them I continue to read, and some of them I don't, and some of them I like, and some of them I work with, and some of them I, you know, like what do you do? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's like those kind of personality things can be can be. But it's like if you're it's it's like if you're a Guardian journalist, it matters. It yeah. cosmically matters that somebody rubs you the wrong way because yeah. you're just that important. Like your your yeah. assessment of how someone rubs you is is that important. Oh, you know? oh yeah. It, but but it's also, I mean, 
it's also the underlying assumption is that you're like what you're likable like you just <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. people like you really i don't, I don't see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's ridiculous yeah. but it, it can be worked up for anybody you know if, if you think about you know uh like aristide and chavez I mean, completely different people, right? Completely different approaches, styles, right? I mean, Aristide, a former priest, for crying out loud, you know, very uh, tame, mild-mannered, you know, quiet kind of, uh, and, and, and then Chavez, you know, very boisterous and, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of guy who takes no shit, you know, doesn't mind telling people off, you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of guy. You know, that, I'm very different personalities, right? But so you can, you can, you can construe, you you can, you can invent reasons why this guy for political, just to, to rationalize your political prejudice, you can, you can you know, say, well, this guy rubs me the wrong way for whatever reason, you know, but it's, it's, it's just become a, it just becomes such a, a, a I don't know. It, it's like a reflexive. Uh, but just, you know, thinking, uh, they, the by taking him out like this, and again, like Ecuador was pivotal in the, in some ways, both of these cases that we've talked about today touch Ecuador, right? Because mm-hmm, it's like yes, yes. the judge, uh, the Supreme Court judgment, mm-hmm. um, or you know, against Chevron that kind of has mm-hmm. unraveled, and the fact that he uh, Assange took asylum, got asylum from Ecuador. Yeah. which was reversed by Moreno after right. Correa was out. And right. it's like, um, yeah, it's just interesting how, how, how many, how many different pieces of this geopolitical puzzle had have to be moved around in order to persecute these, indiv- these inconvenient sort of Western individuals, you know? Right. Um, right. I just um, like Assange in particular, Taking him out has had a huge effect on the media landscape. Like I look around now, you know, and it's like, what, what's there? Like the guardian, the intercept, the stuff people go to thinking of the, as the left, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's fake, you know, it's really, um, and like there, when WikiLeaks was, Mm -hmm. was working better when Assange was, you know, at large, that Mm -hmm. was always, you know, that was always like there, that was always the standard. that you would have to compare your they would have to be compared to readers would compare them to that right now they've they they've been taken out so it's been very effective it's like in in a lot of ways that we don't in terms of like what what's happened on the internet what's happened with journalism it's already changed quite a bit because of this persecution and uh and it's yeah it's not it's gonna get worse well, it, it'll take a hell of a democratic revival to to rejuvenate yeah. that kind of investigative, you know, or you know, what, do you, yeah. what people are calling national security journalism, where you're actually trying to delve into the the state's yeah. deep, state secrets, like uh, like WikiLeaks did, right? It's, there, there's obviously they've they've established now. Yeah, look, this is you're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna make yeah. your life hell, right? If you do it, so yeah. it's it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to revive, but it's. That's that's the job, right? That's what that's what we gotta do. We gotta to the extent yeah. we can, and we can't be dismissive of our of our own platforms and our own, even if they're small. We see that the tech giants they don't dismiss Paul. I mean, you were suspended. Uh, Venezuela analysis. <laughs> was, was I still think it's. I still think they have plausible deniability on my case. <laughs> Venezuela analysis was suspended. Uh, you know, they're not huge. They got like what thirty k followers on Twitter. I mean, they're not huge. Um, yeah. You know, so they're they're going after 
smallish accounts. Small potatoes. Uh, yeah. Small potatoes, but geez, small cracks still obviously bother them. It bothers them that yeah. there's any crack at all uh, in, in the propaganda edifice. They just don't want any cracks. They don't. They want you know. For these, they go for total uh, dominance. You know. So I don't, and I think in a way we should take heart that in in a way and say, well, it's that's a sign that you know it does matter that you know however small our platforms that we we have to keep at it. Yeah. All right, that's a good place to stop. Um, okay, buddy.